It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. All right, it's not Boyd Matheson. You get Boyd Matheson light? I don't know. Boyd Matheson di- <laughs> zero? I don't know. Something like that. You get Marty Carpenter in today for Boyd Matheson. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you all, and it's an honor to be sitting in the chair and have the microphone and get to uh, talk about a lot of the great stuff going on in our state, as well as some of the interesting news that's popping up and all things uh, going on in the news cycle today. Uh, okay, we had a really interesting first hour, I thought. We talked with uh, Representative John Curtis about uh, voting changes within the House. Uh, we talked to the River Commissioner about our water situation, and we talked to the Speaker of the House about everything that's going on at the Capitol. Uh, as we jump into our second hour, let's talk a little bit about debt, more specifically the national debt. And, you know, you, you start with 10, 10 trillion here, 10 trillion there. Before long, it starts to be real money. And uh, just last week, the U.S. hit that number $31 trillion in debt. That's the debt ceiling. That's where it's set. That's the max on the credit card right now. But uh, Democrats and Republicans in D.C. are arguing that, well, they're arguing about whether or not we should raise that debt limit. I mentioned this in our last segment with the Speaker of the House that this time of year just feels like you know muscle memory that we're going to have the session going on. It also feels like sometime around January we get back to the debt ceiling that we kicked down the road from November, December. We didn't want to do it in the holidays, so we put it to this time of year, and we're arguing about this again. Uh, I want to bring in uh, Mark Goldwine. He's the Senior Vice President and Senior Director of Policy for the Committee for a Responsible Budget to talk about how we got here. So, uh, Mark, first of all, thanks for joining us and giving us some of your insight today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. All right, so let's start here. When you get to $31 trillion, that's not a debt you run up in a single, uh, you know, a single Congress. So uh, everyone's got to be to blame. How are both parties responsible for the $31 trillion in debt? And is anyone more responsible than the other? <laughs> well, look, I think that the responsibility starts if we go back a hundred years, because a lot of this debt is driven by by structural problems that our Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid programs continue to grow and don't have enough revenue to fund them. But then over the last 20 years, politicians in both parties have made things worse with tax cuts, with spending increases, and with only really two pieces of deficit reduction legislation total over that entire 20-year period. I think it's interesting because when people listen to this, it's so easy from a political communication standpoint to like use some some artistic terms and kind of I don't know um, cover up a little bit what you're actually talking about, right? So there's like to to set the stage right, I think for our audience, remember there is there is the debt, right, and then there is the deficit, and the deficit is essentially just how much we contribute to the debt each year, uh, but because that's how we're spending more money than we actually have. And a lot of times politicians will talk about, oh, well, we've cut the deficit and, and, and you know, expect sort of applause that, hey, we're spending less money we don't have now than we have in the past. 
but that's really not solving the problem. You're still running up the total amount that we owe. So I, I wonder if you could kind of walk us through like some of the tax cuts and spending increases. Maybe just highlight a couple that got us here <laughs> in particular. What, sure. what were the big accelerants? Because it wasn't that long ago we were like kind of all freaking out about a $19 trillion debt. And this is, you know, more than double that. Well, it's not more than double well, that. It's, me, it's approaching, you know, it's, it's up by 50% on that. This is why I'm not in charge of spending. Me, I don't know the math. Let me, let me start with big picture, which is that President Biden has signed into law or executive action about $5 trillion of increase in the debt over the first 10 years after his presidency. President Trump signed about $8 trillion. Um, now, some of that was under President Trump and President Biden was COVID relief. It was borrowing that we had to do because there was a national emergency. But a lot of it was just because politicians didn't want to pay for their stuff. And I'll, I'll give you a few examples. In 2017, President Trump and the Republicans in the House and the Senate passed a major tax cut bill. Um, the original plan was you would cut rates and you would pay for that by cutting tax breaks. But when it came time to do the hard stuff, it turned out that cutting the tax breaks were hard. So they put two trillion of it on the credit card. Uh, then President Trump joined Democrats on a bipartisan basis. You know, there's this theory, you cut taxes, that'll starve the beast, then they'll cut spending. That's not what happened. The opposite. They came in on a bipartisan basis and basically over two pieces of legislation increased spending by $2 trillion. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, then, as I mentioned, we had COVID relief from both parties, but... Um... President Biden came in and wanted to add $2 trillion of COVID relief, even though the economy maybe only needed a couple hundred billion. Followed that with bipartisan infrastructure, chips bills, money for veterans, all things that politicians like and are, are in many ways good, but they didn't pay for them. They didn't put up the revenue or the spending cuts. And then on top of that, we've uh, increased our annual appropriations um, by about 40 percent between 2019 and today. And that's across both President Trump and President Biden, adding even more to the debt. You know, and I think people here in Utah in particular hear that and just, just shake their head. As a state, and I know most states are this way, we have to balance our budget, right? We, don't, we, don't, we, we do have a AAA bond rating, so we can borrow money, but we have to balance the budget out in the state. So to see that kind of spending and get up to these numbers that are really just – I mean, you can change one letter and, you know, uh, you can change a couple of letters and billion becomes trillion. But the actual um, amount to go from a billion to a trillion is so large. And then $31 trillion is so much money. I guess the question is, at this point, where where we stand right now, what would it take to not even cut the debt, not even cut the debt, not even start to pay back the debt? But what would it take to balance the budget so we don't continue adding to that debt? Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you the bad news and then the good news, and then the bad news again. Um, the bad news is it would take $15 trillion over the next decade to balance the budget, to balance it within 10 years. You'd have to cut all spending across the board by a quarter. Um, if you want to exempt defense and veterans, you'd have to cut it by half. If you also want to exempt Social Security and Medicare, you'd have to cut it by 85%. Now, there is no way the United States could survive. I don't care how much of a small government conservative you are, with the government's only 15%. 
as large as now. That's not sustainable. So we are not going to be able to balance the budget. The good news is the country doesn't have to balance the budget to be sustainable. All we need to do is have our deficit small enough that our economy can grow faster than our debt. And if we do that, we will gradually work down our debt to, to GDP. Right now, our debt is about 100% of the economy. Um, it's headed for 116. Uh, if we could just get it down to 90, we would be going in the right direction. That would be fine. So we don't need to balance the budget. But here's the other piece of bad news. Politicians even aren't even talking about the deficit reduction it would take to stabilize our debt as a share of the economy. In fact, mostly what they've been doing is making the debt worse. What we need to do is um, restore solvency to Social Security and Medicare to get health costs under control, to cut uh, egregious tax breaks that don't make sense, and to limit our appropriations. But politicians want to do exactly the opposite, add more to spending and deliver more in tax cuts and have the grandkids pay the bill. And, and that is, uh, I think, what frustrates so many Americans, especially the younger ones who are sort of, as they click over to where they're paying attention to this kind of thing, to realize that uh, the money got spent and uh, and the bill's coming due uh, for a whole different generation. So I, I, I don't know uh, that there – I guess you gave us some bad news, some good news, some bad news, but it all sounds a little bit like some bad news <laughs> to some extent. And, uh, you know – I appreciate your insight on this, uh, Mark. Uh, I guess we'll wait and see if uh, if any level of sanity gets restored uh, to our fiscal situation in the near future. Uh, Mark Goldwine is the Senior Vice President and Senior Director of Policy for the Committee for a Responsible Budget. I really appreciate his insight on this. You know, it's fair to say that it doesn't it doesn't operate like a family budget. It operates more like a business budget where you can use debt strategically. And I think what's frustrating for so many Americans, uh, even those who will you know, make that connection and say, well, we can use debt strategically, is that it, it doesn't always feel like we're using debt strategically. It feels like we're just spending and not really thinking about when that credit card will come due. So it's a tough situation and not one I was going to sort out for us all in 10 minutes. We're back with more on Inside Sources after this. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.